So welcome back to Thrive, your agency resource. Today we're gonna delve into optimizing conversions, but with a little bit of a different spin. My guest is Nitsan Sher, co-founder and CEO of Wevo, a digital marketing firm that enables website optimization, but pre-live, a, a term that they've coined internally. Welcome to the show, Nitsan. I'm really, really excited to have you today. Kelly, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. So um, let's kind of just go right with um, the problem, right? We love to set up a problem. Um, what's the problem with launching a website without a really thorough understanding of pre-optimization? Um, and also, how has the technology changed to kind of address those issues? So Kelly, marketers and agencies spend quite a bit of time these days optimizing websites the conversion rate that they're trying to reach of visitors arriving at the website turning into turning into customers is an important KPI for them. Uh, until now, most of that work has been done after a website goes live. Um, there's A-B testing, there's user testing.com, there are many tools out there right now that optimize a website after you have gone live. And there's a few challenges with that that agencies and digital marketers find on a regular basis. Um, first and foremost, there's a lot of effort that's put into designing, coming up with new ideas of what to fix and what's actually going wrong with the website, mm -hmm. and waiting for statistical significance, uh, i.e. launching the website, having these two tests run in parallel, and waiting for enough people to convert on each one to know which one is the winner. This process all in all can take weeks, sometimes months, for a single A-B test. Um, and what we've seen from research is that many of these A-B tests actually don't even yield an improvement in conversion. Uh, you can have even up to seven out of eight tests that don't yield more than a quarter percent, a half a percent of improvement in conversion. So it's a very time-consuming, labor-intensive kind of problem that's out there today. Yeah, and you're talking about sometimes these projects that are in the you know hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars, where there's a lot riding on it. So getting it right is is critical. Absolutely, we've had we've had customers approach us and tell us some horror stories. Oh, I'm of, sure you have a lot in your back pocket. Yeah, of working really hard, uh, sometimes for a period of months to launch a new website for a new product or a new campaign or just a rebranding effort. Um, and then after all of that work is put in, after all the stakeholders have been interviewed, after uh, the designers have done their best and the copywriters and, and intense fighting about what word is going to be where, um, with great pompous, this website is launched. And what they have seen is a decrease in conversion after all of that effort. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this egg on the face of the, of the CMO, of the digital marketer, of the agency sometimes that back this site. Uh, and then a lot of finger pointing starts like, no, the agency didn't listen to what we said. You didn't listen to what we said. Uh, and then this very long process of trying to optimize the process from there on in. Right, right. And you mentioned um, A-B testing uh, a little while ago. There is what, when we talked a little bit earlier today, um, there's sort of this dirty little secret in the industry about A-B testing. Can you sort of uncover that secret? Yeah, I think so. Again, we, we speak to a lot of digital marketers and agencies on a regular basis um, over here in what we've heard after, usually after the first or second beer as the stars <laughs> come out, 
the ones that people don't share when you when you meet at a conference and talk about how successful we are. Um, the stories many times are are about um, the very long process that goes into A/B testing, the fact that they don't do half as much of A/B testing as they would like to do, uh, and the amount of time that elapses until they get the answer back from each one of these A/B tests. So, you know, if it's Google or Facebook, they do they do A/B tests in in split seconds, right? But for for the rest and big retailers, same thing. But for most companies out there that don't have millions of visitors hitting the same exact web page. Uh, this can be a real problem. Yeah. Uh, on on any statistical significant test, you can you can depending on the test and the volume and so on and the difference you're you're aiming for, um, you you can need potentially tens of thousands of visitors, and that is in the purview of of every company out there to have that. Even by the way, we work with some very large companies. Even if a company may have millions of of visitors in aggregate, they don't have millions of visitors visiting each on one of particular the page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I also, you also mentioned uh, usertesting.com, which is a tool that we absolutely used at my agency probably four or five, maybe six years ago. Um, and, you know, talking about statistical significance, what's really the issue with using something like that and relying on that data? Um, if you're an agency, a web development agency or a digital marketing firm that touches website development and landing page development, what's really the issue with relying on that small set, subset of data? Right. So usertesting.com is a wonderful tool as long as you use it for what it was intended for. And what usertesting.com is intended for, similar to um, surveys or focus group, it's, it's really about getting qualitative information when you know you're in a very um, structured environment mm. and and knowing that the answers you're getting are what one, five, ten people may think about your product, knowing that they are on the spot being interviewed by you. Right. There's, there's no statistical significance to that. You can hear, you know, three out of the ten people that you interviewed on usertesting.com say, I, I hate this button. Why are you asking me to click now? Right, and it has absolute no meaning because it's three people. It's not thirty happens to be thirty percent of your audience, but it's three people. That thirty percent is completely misleading because it's not statistically significant. Yeah. So I had many many people tell me that they were that they implemented results from user testing or findings from usertesting.com, uh, and it took them in the completely wrong direction. Yeah. It's very very dangerous to trust those results uh, if they if they are if you're trying to get statistical significance and, and actionable uh, results out of that. Right, right. So for agencies, right, we, we have a mandate from our clients to um, increase conversion. Obviously, you know, every single client comes to us with different KPIs or a different sense of what success is in terms of measurement. Um, but we do have a mandate to increase conversion. Right. Whether that's um, informational, uh, requesting information or if it's uh, e-commerce, whatever it is, we want more people to get in touch with us as the client. Right. So um, you say that most agencies, when they go through this entire you know, website design and development process, they're really praying at the end of the day that when they they hit that button to go live and they make the DNS switch, um, they're really praying. And so how does your company, how does Wevo actually solve that issue, um, you know, for that, that reality? 
a, you touched on an important word there, which is prey. Uh, I've had a number of agency friends of mine confide, like, after all is said and done, after we invested all this time in launching a new, in designing a new website and coding it and, and cajoling the customer to believe what it is we said is going to happen, just before we hit that go button, we, we do our little prey. <laughs> One to their own uh, to their own God, but they they do that little session of praying that this is going to work well. And the truth is, they don't know, and, and they can't. They're humans. They, there isn't a tool out there uh, currently that that tells them this is going to do better or not. And that was the context for creating Wevo. Yeah. So we got together a few years ago. I was uh, I was coming out of uh, Skype, I joined Skype early on, and and we were we were seeing this pattern again and again of of the challenges we just described over here that praying before you launch not understanding what the root causes are and and what we did uh with a number of people we put together this concept around Wevo and said there must be a better way there must be a way to test these things before you go live what we call here pre-live testing and and what we do at a high level is is fairly simple we bring an audience to the page itself uh, and this could be a design of a page or a coded page. So okay. we've just fine with a design of a page even before you code it. And we ask them a series of questions that enables us to build a model of the page, a digital model. This is very similar to what uh, Pandora or Spotify do with a song. First thing they do with a song after it's released, they create a digital footprint of that song. Well, the uh, music genome project as uh -huh. well as Pandora, and and they know if it's fast, if it's slow, if it's what genre, subgenre, so on. We do the same thing for a website. We know if the website is clear or if it's not clear, if it's appealing or not appealing, and to what degree. We know to what degree it's credible, and people believe that the website will actually deliver on its promise. Mm -hmm. To what extent it's relevant to the target audience. And to what extent is experience driving them to take the action? And these are all just through a, a survey or a questionnaire? Yeah, this is done predominantly through a questionnaire that we put out to the specific target audience. So we have access to about 30 million people uh, around the world. Uh, 50 million of those are in the United States. And we have these this questionnaire, this experience that we go out to them. They fill out these answers to these specific questions. Mm -hmm. Then we, we sprinkle in the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is calibrating those answers to what happens in the real world. So just asking people, people are terrible at predicting what they're going to do. If you ask somebody in January how many times they're going to go to the gym uh, next, uh, next year per week, you, you may hear, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. Um, and, and we kind of like know that that's not really going to happen uh, because we have enough experience and we've heard enough people say that, uh, maybe even about ourselves. Um, so what Wevo does to calibrate those answers is we take in and we ingest to our machine learning algorithm a, a, a large number of historic A-B tests. And these historic A-B tests basically calibrate our system and say, you know, back to my example, if somebody says that they're going to go to the gym five times, we know that they're going to go to the gym three times a week, and thus we know to 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 provide that reduction of the rate. Mm -hmm. So we don't ask our audience to say how are they going to buy this product, are they going to convert or not. They don't know that answer. You can't ask them that question. What we do is we ask them a whole lot of other questions that together we know to correlate those to actual conversion. And give me a sense of what those those questions could look like. Yeah. So it's questions that are related to clarity, 
Uh, it's questions that are related to appeal of the product. It's questions that are related to relevancy to them specifically. Mm -hmm. um, there's some quantitative questions. So we're asking questions on a scale of one to seven. There's some uh, association questions that we're asking. Um, so we're, we're pulling out both emotional and rational decision-making. Mm. Probably familiar um, with uh, Daniel Kahneman's Think Fast, Think Slow, yep. things about the two parts of the brain there. Uh, so we're trying to pull that out as well. And all of the elements that come together to then drive action in the future. And that's that's the model that we've built. It's a behavioral model. Mm. There are two other really important elements that we pull out of this, and that is um, almost a geographic analysis of the page, so we can highlight which areas on the page are holding them back from converting. So we can we literally highlight those areas on the page for the digital market and say this. This is, a, this is an area you want to improve, right? So is that uh, similar to like heat mapping technology? Yeah, or, so okay. it, it takes from heat mapping technology, but heat mapping technology has a big challenge. Heat mapping technology shows you where people clicked on a website. Is that good or bad that they clicked there? I don't know. Uh, what, what we do is something very different. It looks like a heat map, but it's generated in a very, very different way. And this is actually the areas that are hindering conversion versus the areas that are accelerating wow. conversion. And that helps you actually take actionable insights from that. And the third thing that we do, so beyond that driver analysis, beyond the, the geographic analysis, is give you a clear map on the gap between expectations that people had coming to this website and how well that website actually fulfilled their expectations. Wow. So if they're looking to purchase a credit card, they want to know that the rates are low, that the rewards are high. Um, they want to look that this is a reliable institution and that they're going to get good service if they call up. And, and we show you to what extent that the website actually meet those. Hmm. All these things come together in order to enable Wevo to predict for you. This is a simulation, right, with a fairly high degree of accuracy that we've created over time. To predict, if you have multiple designs, we will tell you which one is actually going to do better. So when you do launch it, you know that there, you had, with a very high probability, this one is going to do better than what is out there right now or better amongst your ideas. It also changes the conversation with your customers as an agency to say, hey, here are three ideas. It's not you choose which one is better. It's here are three ideas. This is, this is what is predicted to do best and why it is predicted to do best. Now choose which one do you want to go with. And that's kind of interesting because then um, on some level, the blame game that you were talking about earlier could literally be, you know, we've, we ran this, this process and this is the predicted pre-live, right? And, you know, this has the highest degree from a, from a probability standpoint of being the most successful, but still it's your choice. You could use the one that's the most, uh, most probably successful or the middle of the road or the least. And, you know, if you, if your CEO still prefers the look and feel and the aesthetic of the one that is predicted to be the least successful, that's your decision. So are, is that part of it, like that you're putting, that you're enabling um, the agencies uh, and, and the clients to be able to make those decisions? They're still empowered to make those decisions, but now they have this other predictive and, and probability information behind them? Kelly, that's exactly right. Yeah. We're, we're not here. We think that the, those relationships should advance as they are. All we hear are providing a tool for the decision makers to make a more intelligent decision yeah, yeah. that's based on more data, on testing pre-live, testing before you go live. If the CEO or, or the executive team or the CMO still says, 
for these strategic reasons, I want this option, even though it's predicted to do less because we're going to change customer opinions or because this is what our investors want or this is where the market, you know, whatever the reason may be, that's legitimate and it's their decision to make. But at least they have the, the understanding of which one is predicted to do better and why. And maybe they just want to tweak something in that option that'll make it even better. So well, that that optionality, I I believe five years from now, we will be looking back at 2019 and saying, we're in the dark ages. Yeah. Like, how is it that we launch things without knowing if they're going to be successful in us? Yeah. Like, I need to build a bridge. Let me build three bridges and I will maybe test them to see which one survives the next hurricane. It's like insane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, that's what drew me to to Weavo was, uh, you know, the fact that it does it just makes so much sense. You know, it's it's very very logical. And you're right. I don't really understand how we've been doing things the way that we've been doing them. But but it's great that you saw that gap and you know realized that. Um, so as we start to conclude, um, why are we even having this conversation? And and by that um, I mean how has web design changed from the standpoint of the fact that best practices are just not enough anymore. Right. I think you're, you're highlighting an excellent point there, Kelly. So I think in the, in the first generation of internet websites, it was having a site that was good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Next generation, we saw that there's a, there's a slew of best practices that if you fill those best practices, you're, you're probably good enough, right? And an agency would sweep in and say, you're missing, Point one, five, and 17, if we fix those, things will be better, and they were right, right? I think now what we're entering 2019, and, and probably in the past couple of years for the more advanced industries, is it best practices don't cut it anymore. It's not good enough. We need, we're entering an area of personalization. We're entering an area that we have to understand the needs and expectations of our customers in a better way. And, and just winging it, just, just eyeballing it, just doesn't cut it anymore. And that's why we're seeing the phenomena that many A-B tests don't result in, in, in better conversion rates because eyeballing it and guessing what will work better just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, you could be, could be um, having, uh, not I won't say poor design or poor copy, but you could be having ineffective design or ineffective copy against ineffective design and ineffective copy. And you're just kind of choosing or allowing the customers to choose maybe the, the lesser of the two evils. Right, right. right? I, that's, exact, that's exactly right. And this isn't to say we have bad designers or bad copywriters. No, no, I didn't mean that. An excellent copywriter, an excellent designer, but they need now more sophisticated tools. It's like a, you need a, a measuring stick that's more refined than it used to be in the past to understand what are the needs of their customers. Yeah. And how does this specific sub 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 segment, right, of this age group and this income level and this education and this geography and so on and so forth, um, how are they going to respond to my pages? And that's something that, you know, it is it is very hard to to uncover that. And and marketers and agencies are looking for tools these days that will help them uh, find that answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been a, a really interesting spin on the, the conversion optimization conversation. And uh, I'm a total geek about it. So I really love it. And I just want to thank you so much again, Nitsan, for coming on the show with me today. Kelly, thank you for taking the time. Really enjoyed the conversation. I did as well. Thank you. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency 
can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.